I think even if I was wearing shin pads, it would be no good. Like, I think the shin pads have a, a shock absorber on your ankle bone. You yeah, know, but I think that's just something you hold the thing in place, isn't it? No, no, it is an actual proper thing, because I yeah. worked one into Kate last week, and she was like, yeah, it's fine. But she's either well hard. She probably Who's is. Kate? Uh, South African. Zimbabwe. Oh. Well, yeah, same thing. Mm. I only know that because um, Neil shouted something about I'll be that Zimbabwe tobacco or something. Right, okay. Okay, so I've just pulled something off Reddit for our episode. There's ten. 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 Fourth. So, uh, wowie hair. Ten days ago. Mm-hmm. What is the best piece of advice to give a new graduate nurse? Oh. So is that one singular piece? I'm assuming. So you could take it as your best advice, or you can take it as and, and give more. So this person says, "What is one piece of advice you would give to a new graduate nurse?" I feel if I could go back, so it's somebody who's oh, okay. clearly got some experience, to my student self, it would be don't share any personal information whatsoever to colleagues. I think it's a bit... Oh. I've read down the thread. This is also isn't from Nursing UK or NHS Nursing. This is... I think I'm getting a, I would, um, an American vibe. Personally, I disagree with that initial statement because how you're a team. Mm-hmm. To survive as a team, you, there needs to be some collective emotional relationships. On some like, Just a smidge. Um, like saying that I've worked with people who give you absolutely zero personal information. They're not pleasant people to Human work with. Human beings. Right. Mm-mm. It's a very personal job, isn't it, as well? you really got it. You, know, yeah. you kind of go through quite a lot together emotionally, physically. Yeah, all the time. Although that has got its downsides because... Um, you don't want to overshare. No one likes an overshare. But no, not just that. You get taken advantage of a little bit. So when, obviously, I was on the wards, I didn't have kids. I didn't have a partner. So, like, oh, well, you know, Kate can do Christmas and Kate can do this and Kate... Because, you know, which is, to be fair, fair enough in one way. Mm. But I don't know whether this... I'm assuming it's a lady who's maybe yeah, maybe because of personal sharing, I don't know, got taken advantage of in work patterns. I don't know. I mean, that's yeah. not much She's also been but... stung in some way. Yeah, but yeah. you can't be part of a team if you don't connect with said team. Do you want me to read you some of the other things I just quickly noted down to try and give you some inspiration for your advice to a graduate nurse? Oh, I know my advice. Okay. But... I'm going to, just in case this influences you in some way. So we've got, <laughs> don't take things personally. 100%. Whether that's from colleagues or staff. Yeah, I got punched doctors. on my first shift. I got punched on my first shift as an active nurse. By whom? By patients. Smack bang in the gut. It's very uncomfortable. I thought you were going to say that. See you next <laughs> Tuesday. Smack bang in my gut. <laughs> in the gut. Yeah. 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 And someone else um, lifted my skirt. Also a patient. Are you wearing like a? I'm, do you wear like P plates, like a newly trained? Like? No, you're allowed to get out your clearly student nurse uniform. You just chuck straight into the normal stuff. So yeah, no. that's good news. So it wasn't like they saw you coming as a. <laughs> this one's still wet behind the ears. No, I just had a troublesome mm. um, block of face. So don't take things personally. No. So, okay. <laughs> no. This one cover the last name on your badge. Why? Well, I read through it. It wasn't as suspicious as it sounds. It was the amount of people... No, the amount of patients and families that have looked them up on the internet because they had their full name. Yeah. Yeah, but... It comes with the territory. Yeah, and you can just ignore those people and like block them at social media. You need, you, the same time, why your... do you need a name, really? 
in some way. In, why you do can't you? argue. Yeah, I do know why. Yeah, but which is there's more, a record of who was on shift and who was yeah, provided the care. So yes, it's a case of actually, aren't you no, in more danger? Honestly, from from sort of senior management and unit, there definitely needs to be funnest. Like, trust me. Mm. Document, document, document to protect yourself. That's what sort of yeah, thing. definitely. I would always advise that everybody does that at any point. It's not just about yourself, it's about your patients, your clients. Yeah, documentation, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, don't worry about losing your license unless you do purposeful harm. Basically, unless you purposefully go out to hurt somebody, you've pretty much got your license, or in our case, your pin. That's not true. I worked with a really nice nurse who lost hers because she accidentally set the wrong drip rate on her. But there are people that you know, mentioned who did do stupid and dangerous things who either didn't lose the pin or only temporarily or got moved to management. Yeah, definitely. So it, Normally the latter. But this particular nurse I'm talking about was absolutely adorable. And she'd be who you'd pick to look after your parents and everything. She was so nice. And she was also the second, the first signature out of a two-signatory medication. And the other nurse didn't get struck off who checked her. Figure. Mm. So, so she lost a pin. She lost a pin. She ended up being a band four. Yeah, just have to wait for your support worker who could do dressings and bloods and stuff if supervised. Mm. So. Do you know what I found? I thought it was even tell. It was in tell. It was in America because of the term and stuff. But they said even if you divert drugs. Mm, yeah. So you know what that means. I think so. So basically, you're in charge of morphine or oromorph. Yeah. You divert that into the black market to sell to addicts. That's what diverting means. Even if you do that, they will give you a chance to go to rehab before they take your license off you. Is that That's what joke? it says. That's what it says. Seriously? Mm-hmm. That no, 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 no. If that happens in the UK, no way. Who the <laughs> Okay. Okay. So bring it back to the original question. Yeah. What is the best piece of advice you would give to a new graduate nurse? Simply be prepared for anything. It's a bit vague, isn't no, it? No, it's not because it may be sound. Have no expectations. Of yeah, kind reading. of because it might sound vague in the first instance, but after some acute years' experience and then community sexual health, all the other things, honestly, you you just cannot be prepared for the things that you're going to come across. You should know that a little bit, being hands on for three years. As yeah, well, you I should, think. and <clears throat> that's why. Well, it depends what what qualification you're taking to become a nurse because the degree graduate nurses don't have half as much hands-on time like a diploma nurse or so in their defense um they maybe haven't actually had much hands-on experience so there will be a lot to learn in a very short period of time and it'll feel crazily intense but um the best advice is honestly just be prepared for anything and just get stuck in yeah basically like the, the the more the more relaxed and the more you can lean into things, the better, because you're not going to be able to change them. And whether that's a positive emotion, a negative one, challenging to your personal life, you get shit shifts you don't want. You get banks of nights you do not want. You get put on shift with nurses who you don't get on with. You have to manage shifts where you've put purely only got bank nurses and that makes no sense whatsoever. You become the lead nurse when you're not technically capable of being so. You then have the horrendous patients who are aggressive because they intend to be. You have the sexually demented who are absolutely horrifically terrifying to look after. You get no choice about it. Sexually demented? There was a very, very, very unpleasant experience in my career which involved somebody who was, I don't even know how you'd describe it on a PC level. But. What do you mean? They've got. It was. 
It was very, very, very unpleasant and probably not suitable for this, which I can explain to you at a different time. Um, you have to put up with that, you don't get given a choice. You have to look after criminals, you don't give them a choice. You have to um, be in situations you, you wouldn't choose to be. You have to do end of life. You have dif difficult relatives. You then have the other spectrum where they're absolutely adorable people who you'd want to take home and make them your, I don't know, your other granddad or your other whatever. Adopted like, family. Oh, honestly, some of the people are just amazing and they give you so much back. But you don't expect that either. You don't expect to feel the pure goodness and the absolute amazement and joy, whatever the words are, that some people can make you feel. And um, you, my point is, is you can be prepared for none of it, like literally none of it. So going in with expectations um, will ruin your experience. So it's like never having snowboarded before. Get to the top of the mountain, get someone to put the board on for you, make sure you've got the stuff on you need and just go down the slope, the hill, whatever they call it, to see what happens because anything else would be really, really counterproductive and it would, it's bound to disappoint, restrict, shock, whatever the words are. You can get so much out of it if you're not stringent in the, well, I shouldn't be spoken to like that and this should be like this and, and we shouldn't have this sort of stuff on here and I shouldn't be doing these, that just, you've not got a prayer, so... Just get on with it, basically, would be my advice. But enjoy it. Lean in, definitely. Lean in. Lean in. Okay. Yeah. Well, not much time for episode 10. Have I got time to just throw one more thing at you? Quickly. Okay, so I was re listening to the Elon Musk interview this morning. <sighs> and they were talking about COVID. It was very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. It was in that he said that we've got, they've got 20,000 employees. This is Elon Musk. Yeah. Okay. At their factory in China. So they had experience of COVID before and over here. Anyway, they didn't lose a single person. So instantly he... You mean like, lose and then die? They didn't kill, yeah. Yeah. So he's like, well, this is fine. So he's, he was, had a more relaxed attitude before anybody else did. Okay. To a degree. Anyway, one thing he said is that the in the first instance, the cure is worse than the disease. So he was saying people were basically put on pure oxygen and ventilators certain type of ventilator constantly and then all that happens then is that just cooks your lungs and actually because does more harm than good there's only a certain amount of time you could be so what just in terms of your experience of putting someone on pure oxygen ventilators for weeks on end well and whether how dangerous that is because the people who basically the, the thing was the people who were dying were being put on ventilators certainly in the first instance well, there's loads of, di well, I said there's loads, there's a handful of different types of ventilation for one. Mm. And I think the problem with the pure oxygen. Well, it depends on actually what he means by pure oxygen, because if you're actually going to put something in pure oxygen, like that's mainly used in absolutely clinical, critical situations. And it can't just be oxygen, it's got to be put with moisture because it's too dry and it, and it burns, it's like an ice burn. And there's all these other things that go on. So, um, what's your question? Is that sensible? I suppose, yeah, that's in terms of doing that, whether that's right. It's, it's, it's okay as a short term during surgery, post surgery, but not for well, weeks it's on end. Like, in like resus as well, it's like mainly when you've got, you've got to get somebody, uh, you've got to revive a, a body that, that's not responding. That's normally when you'd bang on. Like yeah. here, we call it 15%, but that's your, your equivalent, I'm assuming, of what they mean by pure I'd oxygen. I'd have to listen to it again. Um, 
but then ha that has to be linked with a massive liter of h2o sterile sterile water mm. and because otherwise it it does terrible things and i think it would have been a very specific point which probably which wasn't then expanded upon just in case of in the very beginning this person struggling to breathe bang them on a ventilator constantly and then that actually did more harm than good was probably the point well, yeah, because it probably would, because that's also not really the only way that COVID caused an issue. So if that's how they're treating it in the initial instance, and that's that's potentially counterproductive in another yeah. way, isn't it? Because um, I know that's obviously where you got your symptoms of COVID, and yes, of course, it's airborne, respiratory, et cetera, et cetera, but it affected the rest of the system. Um, and it's also would be like, what sort of people would they be putting these 100% oxygenated ventilators on? I have to like, double check, but you know. Okay. Whether it was a specific type of ventilator. Well, well, yeah, it it would be like a full ventilation, but um, I mean, commonly, what could what was used, or certainly what oh bother Johnson was on, he was on BiPAP or CPAP, which is like basically, it's not intermittent ventilation. That's the wrong way to explain it, but it's sort of conscious ventilation. So. Mm. It would be on you or me. You're not in, in an induced coma being ventilated. There's not something down your airway which is forcing your lungs to open from this point of view. Yeah, you mentioned the airway. Yeah, whereas like CPAP and BiPAP, we used to do loads of that on the wards. It's, it's basically a mask and it's got a really super tight seal. It's very uncomfortable to wear. I've, I've always thought and always thought that anyone that was using it was incredibly brave because it's terrifying. Um, anyway, this huge thing gets fixed on your face and around your ears and there's not an air seal. And basically it pushes... Air. There is an air seal, you mean? Sorry, yeah, there's a complete air seal. And then it pushes air into this, through this tube, into this mask, and it forces your lungs to... And then it it allows it to expel, so it basically controls your breathing for you. Um, I mean, mainly the experience of mine for that were either some very poorly... Um, younger people on our HDU beds, or but mainly it was people who were very overweight, who had the lack of sleep apnea, or other reasons why the lungs wouldn't expand. But it was mainly down to other lifestyle, health, yeah, other health complications. And like these big chaps had to sleep at night with them on because if they didn't, they um they don't breathe. There's too yeah, much weight. Yeah, well, the truck drivers, the while the truck drivers fall asleep in planning times, yeah, because they're usually fat. Yeah, and then the oxygen doesn't circulate because people think that breathing is about breathing. Breathing is about breathing, but what breathing does is it puts different chemical balances, different blood levels and all sorts into your actual bloodstream and system. So it's a very, very fine balance. It's not quite as simple as breathing in and breathing out. And so that BiPAP, the CPAP, any form of ventilation makes sure that a certain amount of gas is expelled as well as inhaled. Yeah, it did go into like percentage of nitrogen and alcohol and yeah, oxygen. Because yeah. what his point was, people then said to him, oh, ventilators are good, etc., etc." And he was like, well, I build space rockets, so we keep people alive in sealed I mean, units. I, so I mean, they were. We have to. Well, his point is he understands how people breathe, because when you're in space, you have to, have to build life. Ba basically, a, a giant life support system. Yeah. Um, but... I can't really remember what your question was. No, I didn't come prepared. I thought I'd just throw it at you and see what you said. Like, it depends. Plus, I, you know, American terminology is very different to here. So, mm -hmm. and it depends why they were on it and how long well, it's also, they were Yeah, I think it was a case of also they didn't know anything in the beginning, so they just thought they would do anything, perhaps. 
Yeah, I mean, ventilation is obviously going to support someone to breathe at a healthy rhythm because you're talking about normal breathing. So mm. if you stop talking and I stop talking, you'd hear nothing. We'd look like we're sat here still. You can't see us breathing. Mm. If you can see somebody breathing, there's normally a problem with that breath. If you can hear someone breathing, there's a problem with that breath. So um, again, like the bypass and CPAPs, they can just support normal breathing. Mm. There's different types of breathing where it looks like you're breathing you're not as well. It's, it's a very yeah. complicated thing. I think the, yeah, I think the general drift was the percentage of oxygen tube down the throat, the length of time they're on that for, and that it was like in the beginning when nobody knew. So they thought, oh, let's just do this. And actually, that's worse than just saying, well... Oh, I didn't do ITU know. for long. I really did not like ITU. They tried to get me to work on ITU, and I declined as far as I went. Well, I did some time in ITU because you have to, to do whatever I was doing on the respiratory units. But... Um, my answer would be, I actually don't know how long would be sensible to leave somebody mm. on a full ventilation, but it's incredibly invasive. Um, and it's very then hard to, it's like anything. It's like, you, you leave, Something does the work for you. Then it, it the longer that's off, yeah. the longer it takes the system to remember how to do that. Like so. long COVID. Mm. Yeah. But it's, you know, any client patient stays in bed and they were walking fine and seven days later they can't walk and it's because the muscle memory and the strength, everything just can decline so rapidly. It doesn't always, but it can, so it's very important to, if you can, well, the saying is, isn't it, use it or lose it. Mm. It's that kind of um, thing, so very off topic for the first question. Second question, from the first from question. From the first question, yeah. That, yeah. that wraps up episode 10. I can always cut that out. Yeah, ever so random with your subject. Okay. It's not, it's relatively medical and... Yeah, it's nothing to do with a newly qualified nurse. No. Getting advice. No, it's not. Anyway. Okay, bye. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Shoo!